Welcome to Basecamp for Men. I'm your host, Tony Rezac. This is the show that gives you insights and resources on how to live a more courageous life. We'll be looking at men, the current state of masculinity, and how to create a more inspiring narrative for all men. Welcome and let's get started. Cryptocurrency and blockchain technology. This is the water cooler talk all over the world right now. Can you sense it? Why has this topic become so relevant? As a longtime equity investor, I have an active interest in markets and trends. Well, that and I like to know what the hell is going on in the world. So in late 2019, I bought my first cryptocurrency, dipping my toe in the water to the tune of a few hundred bucks. Then I went and researched some more. Then I dipped another toe, then more research. Now I have my whole foot in as I continue to do more research. We are all just learning about this new technology and new platform and how it will impact us. With just over 3% of Americans currently holding cryptocurrency, we are still very much in its infancy. And I can see a not-so-distant future where that number will be 30% and growing. So my intention with this episode is to pique your interest and to perhaps break down some barriers to entry into this fascinating world. I thought if you could hear my guests and I share our journeys, that this would spur you to roll up your sleeves to do your research. That, and perhaps when the time is right for you, to push a few chips onto the table and state, I am in for this new paradigm. Enjoy the episode. I have been looking to do a first episode on cryptocurrency, but I was waiting to find the right guest, and I finally found him. Aaron Cobb is a friend, entrepreneur, and blockchain and cryptocurrency enthusiast and investor. He sat down with us to help us better understand this emerging paradigm that everyone seems to be talking about. Here's my interview with Aaron Cobb. Okay, I am here with friend Aaron Cobb, entrepreneur, cryptocurrency and blockchain investor, Aaron Cobb. Aaron, welcome to Basecamp for Men. It's great to have you on the show. Hey, what's going on, Tony? I've been looking forward to this for, uh, for a while, so I'm pumped we're finally getting it done. Absolutely. Yeah, we, you know, we've been talking all about doing a cryptocurrency. I'd, I'd like to do a series of episodes about blockchain and cryptocurrency because it's so in the air right now. And you and I have been having these conversations and we finally scheduled and got one in, which I'm really excited about. But I guess... First question I just wanted to ask you is like, what's, what's your background? I know you're an entrepreneur. Uh, what, where did you grow up? What's your background? Uh, you know, what do you do for work and, and such uh, right now? Yeah, so, um, so I grew up over in uh, Juanita. It's like mm-hmm. just north of Kirkland outside of Seattle. And um, I, uh, I went to school uh, at Boston College, which is uh, like one of the top investment banking schools in the country. I went, uh, studied finance graduated and um we'll kind of dovetail back into that but that's what ended up actually leading me to crypto um Mm -hmm. but after that uh basically i thought i wanted to be an investment banker and i realized that for the for the most part uh people on wall street are using math to take advantage of regular people Mm -hmm. and there's there's a great book about this called where are the customers yachts but you know uh, at the end of the day, I, I realized as I learned more and more about it that you know most mutual funds and hedge funds lose money over a ten year period compared to the s and p five hundred mm-hmm. but people are paying tons and tons of money to be in these these are pension funds, institutional investors, and it was crazy to me and so as I started to learn about that, I s- realized oh man i you know i don 't think that 's cool i 'm not into that i don 't want to do that for work. Yep. I don't want to lie to people's face and use money to take advantage of them. And so that sort of set me on a little bit different journey. Um, and if people 
if that's in dispute at all, people can look at like the Warren Buffett bed or Jack mm-hmm. Bogle, any of his sure. stuff, the guy who basically an early proponent of index funds, started yep. Vanguard. Um, but so um, anyway, so I realized like, okay, that's not going to be a fulfilling way to earn a living for me. Um, I need to, uh, you know, I need to go a different direction. And so at that point, I had started a business with a friend of mine. Um, we grew it into a small chain. Then I started a, another business. Um, well, the first one was a chain of hookah lounges called uh, the Cobra Lounge, if anyone remembers. And then yep. um, did uh, a couple of float centers, like isolation tanks, sensory deprivation tanks. Uh, and then most recently, uh, we sold those. Uh, and then most recently, I started a gourmet popcorn shop, which I own and operate. It's down in, uh, in Pike Place Market. And then we bought another chain of popcorn shops. But none of that's too germane to crypto. Basically, um, yeah, I've been an entrepreneur for 14 years and then started investing deep into cryptocurrency mm. probably four years ago or so. And yep. I think I bought my first Bitcoin in 2013, but I spent it immediately on the dark web. Yeah. <laughs> then yeah. I can get back in for a couple more years. There's a lot of there's a lot of stories about that. I mean, I had I had a friend that was begging me to get into Bitcoin back when it was like $13 a token, right? And I I just couldn't understand it. You know, I was like there wasn't a lot of people talking about cryptocurrency back then and and he was the only one. You know, he's out there anyways. You know, he's I mean, he's a brilliant guy, but I was like I don't know if I can you know, pony up any money. What, what, what was the impetus? How did you first get interested? So I've, I've been in the conversation and investing in cryptocurrency since late 2019, which felt like I was arriving late to the party, but there's only 4% of the U S population has cryptocurrency. So it's still actually very early on, uh, for investors and for people getting interested. What was, you've been at it for like five or six years now. What was, what was the, was it just, your friends were talking about it a lot? Did you read something that had you go, huh, let me dig into this? What was, what was the uh, event or the thing that had you start to roll up your sleeves and go, this, this might be something that might be important? Oh yeah, Tony. Well, it, it is definitely early days as far as that goes. I mean, we are yeah. right now in like the internet in 1996, I mean, it's just hitting that phase where it's coming on people's radar and they're starting to internalize and realize the power of this new technology. And so for me, um, you know, I had I read an article, I think, about uh, the dark web and I was interested that there was this whole other you know universe on the Internet that existed that um, I hadn't been privy to. And um, I always thought it was interesting how some markets, you know, deal in money and you can go buy anything you want and some markets deal in trust. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, some things you can only acquire if there's people who, who trust you. And so I always thought that was really interesting, you know, from a market perspective and sort of financial construct really um, is how thing, how goods are traded. And it's just that, you know, not everything comes down to, do you have enough money? And so I thought that was interesting. So anyway, um, yeah, so, uh, I was going to try out this dark web thing. I had to go to a bank in Ballard and wire money. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember being really worried about it. And what's funny now, you know, how wrong I was is that I actually viewed it as a currency risk. So as soon right. as the Bitcoin hit my account, I spent it within under an hour. And these yeah, get were, rid of it, right? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And this was you know, $300 worth of $12 Bitcoin at the yeah. time. So yeah. I'll let people do the math at home, but you know, yeah. I'm, I'm still working. I'll say that. So that's how that <laughs> turned out. But um, yeah, so that's, that's how I originally got into it. And then a couple of years later, you know, so I, 
I did that and that was it. Um, tried out the network. I thought it was cool. And then um, a couple of years later, um, a friend of mine who's um, he's a, a world-class poker player here in Seattle. Um, people can probably read between the lines, but he's, uh, he's really into, uh, let's see, he's into asymmetric risk reward, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yep. And he started talking to me about it. And, um, you know, I decided to uh, buy some. And what I liked about that is it's a, it's a catalyst because when you actually go to hit that buy button, all of a sudden you really question yourself and you go, you know, how much do I really understand this? I need to do more research. And so that I would say set off a deep, deep dive of financial analysis and trying to really understand the technology, the implications of the technology and sort of how this thing was likely to pay out or play out. So once, yeah, once your money's on the line, it really changes the level of due diligence you're willing to do. And so that was sort of the, the spark or the, you know, the matrix moment for me. Well, it's interesting for me, uh, when I first got in, I thought, okay, I had this naive kind of beginner's mentality of, okay, I, I kind of saw that the old system, the old, uh, you know, debt, debt central bank cabal, I could see that that was maybe vulnerable and that, and that uh, there would be perhaps an alternate currency digital that would get created. And at the beginning, I thought, okay, I'm trying to figure out, is it Bitcoin? Is it Ethereum? Is it one of these other ones? I thought I was trying to guess which horse was going to win the race. And then as I started to listen to more docu-series and YouTube videos and all these people, I started, it started to dawn in my, in my mind, oh, because, and the other thing, Aaron, is I was talking to a lot of really smart technologists, like people that worked at Google and Amazon and Microsoft, and all of them, when the topic of blockchain technology would come up, they would all go, oh my God, you have no idea, or it's going <laughs> to, it's going to change everything, you know? And it's like, what do you mean everything? Every, it's like when the internet was, it's going to be like a brand new internet. It's going to be a brand new monetary system, brand new healthcare, brand new everything, brand new way we vote. Um, And all of a sudden I started to see a bigger picture with blockchain technology and that the cryptocurrencies weren't, some yes would be a store of value or an exchange of goods and services, but some were going to provide the new platform that everything was going to run on. So that changed, that really changed how I saw it, where I was like, wait a minute, this is going to be a new thing that revolutionizes everything. I'm not necessarily betting on one will be the coin. I'm betting on this new platform is going to be the next big thing. And everybody that I talk to that has their, you know, their, their head under the hood of this thing is saying, no, 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 this is going to be huge. This is going to transform everything. So that, that was the energy that got me really interested is, is all of these different people that knew way more than I did getting super excited. I don't know if you had that experience as well, but that, that to me is what had me really start to take it seriously. Yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, I, I would describe it as a, a new paradigm. And mm-hmm. the best way to think about it, and if people don't really understand it, is it's like if you were trying to choose, you know, which retailer, uh, like brick and mortar retailer was going to win, you know, is it going to be Babies R Us or yes. Best Buy? And yeah. then all of a sudden, Amazon comes along. It's a different animal. It's a different yeah. beast. And, you know, people thought that Walmart couldn't be touched because they were so big, they had locations everywhere, they had pricing power, et cetera, et cetera. And then Amazon came along and ate their lunch. And it's because it's a new paradigm. You know, the internet just didn't exist. And so I would say that this is a similar technology in that it eliminates 
middlemen. And Mm -hmm. the example I like to use that helps people understand it at a basic level before we dive into Bitcoin and, you know, all all that stuff is just Mm -hmm. that, um, you know, people are familiar with Airbnb. If they're not, you know, you can just, you can put your house or apartment or condo up for rent and people can rent it out. And what Airbnb did to hotels is it made it so all of a sudden the advantage that all these hotels had, these huge established networks of hundreds and thousands of rooms uh, in the best locations in town was nullified. Now mm-hmm. you could have the Tony Hotel in your basement and you know thousands and thousands of other people could host their own hotels. And that's sort of what uh, blockchain technology largely is doing is it's eliminating the middlemen. So now you could run your own little hotel like Airbnb, you could run your own bank, you could run your own gaming system, anything. And so that's the, the big underscoring thing here is that middlemen will be eliminated. And I think that's a really important piece I wanted to get across. Absolutely, absolutely. The, the uh, you know, it's funny, philosophically, you know, I've done a ton of shows, just as a little sidebar, I've done a ton of shows on, for lack of a better way of saying it, it's kind of the globalists against we the people or or, or the deep state against we the people, um, sure. hi- highlighting what's going on. And for me, that's the other thing that's exciting as, 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 a, as somebody, and I can hear you saying, I don't want to screw people out of money because you, you also are a humanist, right? You're a pro-humanist. And I see, I see cryptocurrency and blockchain, it's a it represents sovereignty from, you know, the central banks or even corrupt healthcare systems. I mean, or or corrupt voting systems, even blockchain represents an incorruptible platform that where um, we, the people can express what we want without the middleman that's been mucking things up. And and that might sound a little contrived or whatever, but I, I see also uh, the more I learned about it philosophically, I want my chips on the table of sovereignty for we the people. And I see blockchain as kind of a bet in that direction in cryptocurrency. Yeah, that, that's exactly right. And that, that's sort of what I was saying with, um, you know, uh, what I was alluding to with mutual funds and hedge funds sort mm-hmm. of screwing people out of money. Well, now we have a situation where, uh, I don't know how much you've talked about the money system in the US on this podcast, but effectively they can print as many bills as they want and that devalues our currency with deflation. So, yeah. you know, for every every bill they print, your money is worth less. And it's like a hidden tax. And most people yeah. don't really think about that. You know, money's sitting in their account and a thousand bucks is a thousand bucks. But if you'd like to see it, look at your favorite uh, fast food menu over mm-hmm. a 10 year or fast food, you know, item uh, over a 10 year period. And for me, it's always the deluxe double stack at Wendy's. When I graduated high school in 2005, it was 99 cents. Now, you know, it's coming in somewhere at $2.67. But what happened? And it's yeah. like, well, they printed more and more money. And so the price yeah. of things goes up. And in some respects, that is necessary as populations grow and the total amount of value grows. But they're printing it so fast that it's getting way ahead of us and that money is losing value. And that's where that's level one of how cryptocurrencies um, end up being important is because they are uh, deflationary or at least, um, you know, a fixed supply um, depending on the currency. And so when you stop losing ground to uh, politicians who have um, competing interests and their special interest groups and lobbyists. So when you stop losing ground to them printing money and spending mm-hmm. it on things you probably don't agree with, including supporting huge bureaucracies beneath them, yeah. uh, then you start to understand 
the, the initial level of why a fixed supply distributed currency could be important. It's, it's, it's ironic and kind of crazier. And it's like through all this to me as an investor, now I, I have a portion invested in cryptocurrency. I still hold, you know, a, a bulk in equities and stuff, but it's, it's crazy to me that a safer play than the bank is in cryptocurrency because it's not it's not being def, it's not being devalued by the central bank. I mean, they're just printing money hand over fist right now, and you can see it all over. Every time you go gas up, or every time you go to the store, you're like, oh, look at this, you know. And uh, it, it's 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 wild because I think when cryptocurrency first hit the awareness of people, it was considered kind of a crazy speculative play. But as as people start to learn more, they start to realize it's a, actually a really sensible, you know, uh, alternative to what's going on in, in a system that looks like it's teetering to me. It might not be that way for everybody, but I, I don't see, I don't see the central, the central banks and the banking system is on super solid footing right now, but I might be uh, uh, in the minority on that. I don't know how you feel about that, but uh, I agree with you. I think the idea of uh, inflationary fiat currency is, yeah. you know, all, all empires come to an end. Yep. And, um, you know, the way they're, they're printing money, it seems like they're expediting that. I mean, you can think about just a basic, uh, someone's personal finances, you know, if you're spending more money than you're bringing in, at some point, those credit card companies and debt collectors come calling. And so, yeah, yeah, I, yeah so I, I don't think that system can go on forever. Um, as far as uh, banks, you know, you mentioned that that was another sort of piece of friction that pushed me deeper into uh, cryptocurrency slash DeFi, which is you think about a, a retail bank. And what annoyed me is they're not open on Sundays. Mm-hmm. They are closed past five o'clock and they act like your money is their money. Absolutely. And that really, that really pissed me off because they take your money and they loan it out to people and they make money on it. And what I didn't like is I had this interaction where I was trying to transfer money and it was mm-hmm. a sizable sum. And I went in, I had all the paperwork. It's my account, my money. And they said, well, why are you transferring this money? And I was like, <laughs> who are you? Like, yeah, why do you exactly. care? <laughs> You know, and they, they act like my money is their money and, it, and yeah. it pissed me off. And so, you know, the nice thing with cryptocurrency is now you're your own bank and you have your own sovereignty and you can transfer. You're not paying wire transfer fees and all these crazy fees that they tack on. You you have control over your money. And I think mm-hmm. that's the way it should be. And it's a distributed system where everyone controls their own and there's no central point of failure, like a yeah. bank server going down or it getting hacked because they weren't paying attention. And so I would yeah. say that's the initial uh, draw to something like Bitcoin, not to mention, you know, other cryptocurrencies and their usage and, you know, yeah. Right. What, Aaron, what, what are your thoughts on, like, I get in conversation sometimes, I have some friends that are, let's say, bearish on the market, not crypto specifically market, but bearish on the stock market and what everything we've been talking about, fiats, teetering, it's only a matter, it could be just a matter of months. And, uh, you know, I get in these conversations because I have some people that are like, oh, the stock, I, I happen to, you know, invest. I've been an equity investor for 25 years. Some of that is in index funds, as you mentioned. Some is in specific stocks that I like. Now, mm-hmm. I, I realize that perhaps the, the, mar- the stock market, the equity market is probably going to be in for a little bit of a beating, especially if everything we're talking about starts to unfold. But I can't imagine a situation where, a stock, say Costco, 
would be worth hardly anything because people are still going to need toilet paper and they're still going to buy groceries and people, you know, waste management still going to be picking up your garbage and whatnot. And people are still going to be using Google. Um, so do you think, can you see a future where the stock market is maybe revalued at a cryptocurrency like Ethereum or Bitcoin, where they say, you know, shares of Costco are worth this amount of a particular stable coin or something? How, how might that work? Or, you know, do you, do you think it'll be, we'll have two systems where we've kind of got it, the old system, and they're still valued at the dollar, even though the dollar could collapse? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I would say that's a complex question. I would yeah. say that, you know, um, stock uh, shares in a company could be valued really in any currency. It's mm. not that that important. But um, as far as issuing like a token to represent a share, sure, there's synthetic assets now. Um, yep. So you could have a representative token that represents one share of Costco or whatever. And really, all you're trying to represent is a, a share of future cash flows. So, okay. you know, the money that Costco is going to make in the future, some of that getting passed back to you either as a shareholder dividend or increased retained earnings, you know, shareholders equity so that the price of that stock goes up. Now, the thing is, you know, when the internet came out, it changed a lot of businesses, but it didn't get rid of something like Geico. They just started right. selling insurance online. And there's still thousands of businesses who have done great, but they had to change the way they operate. And mm -hmm. of course, you know, the creative destruction of capitalism, some of those businesses went away and they deserved to go away. But many just pivoted and now exist in a, a new um, landscape that is more pro-consumer with less friction. I mean, yeah. a good example yeah. would be, you know, a local dentist or attorney who just had a lock on the local market. And now people can shop around online and see mm -hmm. that there's other people and check people's ratings, et cetera. And so I think we're going to see more liquidity and less friction in all yeah. aspects. And then as far as wrapped assets, sure. I mean, anything can be represented on the blockchain. All it really is at the end of the day is a database. Okay. And it's a database that we can all see yeah. and we can all change. Mm. Now you 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 had mentioned I was talking to you about how you were investing and what your tech. You 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 and your team look at uh, protocols. So what's underneath kind of the hood? What are these blockchain companies doing uh, to provide utility and value in the future? Um, and and that that has been and which I find very interesting because. The people that I know that do invest, myself included, I, I'm not able to do that. So my my methodology is kind of listen to a, people that are smarter than me and use my own instincts and say, okay, well, I'm not going to bet more than I can afford to lose. I'm comfortable betting X here. Um, it seems like a lot of really smart people like Ethereum or like Bitcoin or like Cardano or Solana, whatever the ones that they're that they're happy about. And that's how I do it. I just, I don't get any further. I don't have enough bandwidth. I'm not a technologist, so I, I don't do that. But your, your technique and your methodology is a little bit different in that you, you really dive into what are these uh, uh, cryptocurrency uh, companies doing, correct? Yeah, yeah. And, and the whole idea, you know, you're trying to look around the corner and mm -hmm. see what's coming. And so we've sort of seen a natural evolution um, to take it back to the internet, you know, sort of uh, the web 1.0 was like, hey, I have a web page. You know, you can come and look at it and you can read it and it's all great. And then web 2.0 was sort of a web page, uh, but then it also had a database behind it. And that's really all the internet is right now is a web page with a database. So something like Facebook or Zillow 
workflow. It's just mm-hmm. a web page, which is a little access port into yep. this deeper database of, you know, for Facebook, it's people's profiles and pictures. For Zillow, it's it's houses. And mm-hmm. so um, with both of those, there's a there's a middleman. There's a central server. Facebook has its servers. Zillow has, has its servers. And um, what's happening now is um, as we're about to enter Web 3.0, um, a lot of those centralized services are going to go away and everything will be decentralized. So sort of like I was saying with the uh, Airbnb thing, where now everyone can own their own little hotel. Yeah. Um, it's a similar situation where now the businesses that, for instance, banks basically make their money in three ways. You know, there's retail banks, which make their money with lending. There's investment banks, which make their money with ICOs and mergers, or sorry, with IPOs and mergers. Yep. And then there's like market makers, you know, someone like uh, the NASDAQ or uh, S&P 500. I mean, right. that's, that's simplifying it a little bit. But the point is now with level three cryptocurrencies, you're able to be your own bank, so you can lend money, or you can, you know, uh, run an ICO and get new people to invest in your project without mm-hmm. involving these banks. Or you can be a liquidity provider, you know, making, uh, doing market making activities like the Nasdaq would, and that's what we do a little bit of. And so, in looking at the protocols, um, we look at basically what is this thing capable of, and what is it likely to be used for. And okay. capability really comes down to you know, um, how secure is this protocol? How likely mm-hmm. is it to be hacked? How, what kind of transaction volume can it handle? Because if it's really getting picked up by, you know, millions and millions of people using it, you know, it needs to be able to handle that traffic. And that's mm-hmm. something some of the uh, protocols are struggling with now. Um, yep. And then, um, you know, the, the sort of final piece is, um, is it easy to work with? Is it in a language that people understand? And is it mm. cryptographically secure? And so, um, yeah, as far as our research, we try to look into um, how it was built, who built it, mm. uh, importantly. And and then, you know, you go to the next layer, which is psychology, which is, um, you know, how is their marketing? How is their branding? Why would people like this? And what's sort of the specific use case? But, you know, to be honest with you, it, it's anybody's guess. I think anybody who tells yeah. you they know what's going to happen is is lying to you or lying to themselves. Right. It's a brand new technology. We are at the vanguard of it. But you can make some reasonable assumptions about how the future is likely to play out. Yeah. And I think you're better off betting on the internet than on pets.com. Right. You know, so, right, 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 yeah. right. Which ones do you like right now of, of the ones that are out there that, that people might know their names, but maybe don't know much about? Yeah. So I saw that question in the sort of pre-show thing. And I, I would like to preface this by saying um, I'm a little reticent to give any sort of financial yeah. advice. Um, what I would say is that what I would recommend to people is I think you should buy something and mm-hmm. you should buy an amount that makes you just a little bit uncomfortable, like you'd be annoyed if you lost on the street. For some people, that's $10. For some people, that's $500. Mm. For some people, that's $5,000. And the reason is right before you hit that buy button, you're going to have a moment where you go, wait, what the hell am I doing? Yeah, I need to figure out. I need to really learn what this thing is before I risk my money on it. So that's the moment I would push people to have. Um, and then as far as me, you know, I think that a lot of these... Um, a lot of these things, okay. There's a lot of, there's a lot of garbage out there. A lot of people are launching a lot of scam projects and, um, 
and that's okay. It's part of the natural evolution. Um, but you know, I would be careful about investing anything that's um, uh, investing in anything that you don't understand deeply. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, you can have a very simple investment philosophy, like, hey, the U.S. is spending too much on the military; their currency is going to go down relative to. Bitcoin. Um, or, you know, you can get deep into it and say, okay, this blockchain can transact, you know, way more transactions per block and more blocks per second, et cetera. And so um, for me, what I like is I, I look at ecosystems and then we're looking for asymmetrical risk reward. So, okay. um, so there are ecosystems that I think are further along in their development. And I think there are ecosystems where the value maybe hasn't been recognized yet. And so we look for spots where there's, uh, you know, a lot of unrealized value and then hopefully a catalyst in the future for realizing that value. I know that's sort of a non-answer no, for no, you, I, but I, I don't want to turn people into any any particular direction. Yeah, I get you. And I was wondering about that question. I forgot to ask you beforehand if you were comfortable because I know I was on a, a, a docu-series, uh, Crypto Revealed. It was like a nine-part series. It was really great. They had a whole bunch of people on there, but there was not a lot of recommendations. I mean, yeah, there was a lot of... There, he had on some Bitcoin Maximus investors who put all their money in Bitcoin and are just super you know, going that way. But the ones that invested in some of the altcoins, uh, you know, shied away from saying maybe what their portfolio looked like. Um, Just saying, you know, get in, uh, you know, this is super solid. I think what you said is really wise, you know, there, I I think some of the names that you're seeing right now, the prominent names like Ethereum and and Solana Cardano, um, the first the first coin I actually invested in was XRP, which is kind of lurking right now. It seems like it could pop, but I think that some of those, it's reasonable to say that they're going to be factors in the next three to five years. But you don't know if it's going to be a factor in, say, 10 to 20 years. I think there's probably stuff that isn't even on the radar yet that is going to be a household name that's coming or they're just starting out or they're going to piggyback on Ethereum's platform and it's going to blow up and be a huge thing. To your point earlier, it's really hard to look into a crystal ball. Nobody really has that power. And uh, and I think your investments, I, I like your, I like you nudging the investor instead of just saying, you know, it's easy to say, well, just invest what you can afford to lose. It's like maybe a little bit more than that might be a, a smarter way to go. You know, not that you, you lose an investment, it, it goes down and you're like, oh no, you know, I was really counting on having that money, but that, you know, maybe you hesitate a little bit before you click buy. It's just enough to make you feel a little bit uncomfortable. I think that's a, I think that's really solid. So, um, and I, you know, I wanted, there, there's a lot of stuff, people that are first getting into cryptocurrency, it's it's overwhelming. Like the people that I've counseled on, you know, how do I start? I usually, you know, I, I trade, I've traded on a bunch of exchanges. I like Coinbase because I think it's really user-friendly and it's a it's beginner friendly. So if I tell a friend go over to Coinbase, it's safe to link your bank account to that, which is one of the first obstacles. People are like, who the hell are these guys? Um, and you know, I don't even mention hot wallet versus cold wallet to beginners because it'll just start to turn them off. It's just like, oh, it's exactly what I thought. It's way too complicated for me. So I usually just tell people, go on to Coinbase. Um, I, I have a few um, I have a few of the altcoins and Bitcoin and Ethereum that I like. You know, I'm willing to say th- these are the ones that I have put chips on, but you can do your own research. 
Um, and I usually say, just, just get it on Coinbase and get going. And we can have a conversation later on about hot wallet versus cold wallet. Um, what is, what is your take on that is, 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 you know, I, I kind of, for me, I like the cold wallet approach because of everything we've been talking about. I think it's sovereign. It makes me my own bank, but I would also do hold a, a little on Coinbase, not enough that if it got hacked and they took it all, I'd be, you know, I'm, I would be like a little pissed off, but I wouldn't be like, oh crap. You know, I, I don't leave five figures up on Coinbase. Um, and most of it I gra- I put in my cold wallet. Um, and I feel like that's a better place to store stuff. So I don't know what your take is on all that, but. Yeah, I think, um, I think starting off with Coinbase is, is good advice. It's very mm-hmm. user-friendly um, and straightforward. Kraken would be another um, yep. good one to start with. That's trustworthy. They've put a ton of money into security. They have you know, hundreds of cybersecurity people working on it. And you know, so far, very robust protocols without any major hacks. But um, what I would say is people should try to keep it simple at first. Yeah. And so Coinbase yeah. is a good way to do that. You don't need to get overwhelmed by the space. Yeah. Um, you can dip your toe in. Eventually, if you're on Coinbase and you're trading a decent amount, eventually the fees that they charge are going to piss you off enough that you may go to some other mm-hmm. exchanges. And that's mm-hmm. fine too. But I think just keep it simple. That's the easiest on-ramp from uh, fiat or our you know current system into this space. Um, yeah. As far as hot wallets versus cold wallets versus exchanges, this might, I, I don't know how much people know about this, but effectively what you're talking about is a cold wallet is essentially something that's not connected to the internet. Um, right. So that there's no way someone can hack it or compromise it. And yep. it's a, you know, a physical, it can be a, something as simple as a jump drive or a ledger wallet or yep. whatever. Um, and then a hot wallet, you know, typically people are referring to something that exists in your browser. So something like MetaMask or Uroi or Uroi Nightly. Um, and that's something that is connected to the internet, but there's some security around it, uh, but it's possible to be hacked. Uh, the upside yeah. is it's more convenient. And then uh, exchanges, which is where you actually buy it in the first place, kind of looks like an online bank. I mean, it looks like yeah. logging into online banking. It does, um, yeah. It's, yeah. And it's an exchange where you can trade just like if you've ever, um, you know, traded on like, a, I don't know, on like a futures exchange or something. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can just trade it right there in the in the browser. You can buy and sell and, you know, watch the price changes and look at some, some basic metrics. So um, for me... After the Mount, so I used to keep everything in a cold wallet. Yeah. Uh, after the Mount Gox hack, which was a big one. Yeah. Uh, this was in ninety or two thousand sixteen or eighteen. I don't remember. Uh, Sixteen, I think. Mm-hmm. Then uh, the exchanges started to take security much more seriously, and because of that, I think in a lot of ways they've su- surpassed. Um, they've surpassed the level of security that I feel comfortable with. So I, I feel comfortable on the exchanges just because they have so much yeah. to lose. I mean, those businesses yep. are making so much money and any damage to their reputation, it just, you know, it, it shuts off that um, that faucet of, of fees they're getting from people. So I trust the exchanges. Um, the, uh, you know, the one thing I would say is that if, if, well, let's see, the, the vulnerabilities really is if you have a cold wallet, a lot of people forget their password. We've yep. seen billions, literally billions of dollars in Bitcoin lost that way. People are forgetting yep. their password or physically losing it. I mean, yep. I know someone who runs a home organizing business and they were going to have 35 people go dig through the dump to try to track this thing down because yep. it was like $20 million sitting on a little hard drive. So 
that's the risk there. The risk with an exchange typically is more local. So that could be you using a public Wi-Fi network. Um, mm-hmm. You you know your your Wi-Fi at home being compromised. I would say people should not be turned off or scared by that, but just use something simple. Yeah, like Coinbase or Kraken and. And then you can go you can go as deep into the rabbit hole like anything as you want. But realistically, you know, if you're talking about five figures or less, you should be okay. Yeah, I'm glad you said that because I think, you know, that that the exchanges are really amping up their security. Obviously, they have a lot at stake. There's a whole trust of the public at stake. I'm glad you said that because I was first taught by somebody who was kind of a you know, he was kind of militant. He was kind of like, if it's on the exchange, it's not really yours. And I could get what he was saying about that. But I have people that are friends of mine that that do trade and they're like, I don't trust myself with my cold wallet. <laughs> I'm like, okay, you know, <laughs> I me. live in, I live in an apartment. Somebody can break in while I'm at work and take my, you know, and I'm like, I get that, man. And so I think, I think that the, a secure exchange would be a fantastic solution because, you know, the, the cold wallet does come with some, some, some kind of insecurity about like, can I keep track of what I need to keep track of here in the right place? So I'm glad, you know, and then taxes, like what, what are we going to do with taxes? Like right now, um, there's, from what I understand, like this year, I think it'll be the first year where when I go to TurboTax and they say, do you trade cryptocurrencies? It's yes. And then they're going to ask me some questions. If you don't sell, and I, I think if you don't swap or you, if you buy and hold, you don't owe until you do anything with it. Is that correct? And if you if you if you sell it, if you if you cash it out for dollars, or even if you swap it, I believe it's taxable as property. I want to say I, I I'll have to see about that. But I wanted to ask you about that. And then the other thing is, as an investor for retirement. I'm starting to get inklings that they may have vehicles like a Roth crypto IRA. Now, a Roth, you don't pay taxes on when you, you don't get a tax break when you put it in, but you don't pay taxes on a Roth when you when you withdraw it. So for for equity investors, that was always super attractive because, you know, I can, I can contribute, contribute. And when I pull it out, I don't pay taxes, unlike a traditional IRA. Well, a crypto Roth, what a fantastic retirement vehicle that would be. The only downside is you're giving your money to like, say, Titan Crypto. They, they put out, I see their Roth IRAs. Um, they're going to take 1% a year. So is that, is that too much money? Do you believe crypto will grow, you know, way more than 1%? Are you okay with, do you trust them? You know, there's this whole, nobody's, you know, none of the, none of the, trusted names, Vanguard, Charles Schwab, Fidelity, they're not really in crypto. They're, they're being, they can't be in crypto legally right now, I think. And so you have these other companies that are creating business where they say, well, we'll do your, your Roth IRA. For me, I'm very interested in starting, but I want to sort of see what else pops up to see who emerges and what my options are right now. There's not a lot of options, so I don't like that. So I'm just kind of like, well, I would like a Roth IRA. I think that would be fantastic to grow that and then re- withdraw it without taxes would be fantastic, but I have to kind of wait and see. So um, that was kind of a lot. That was a rant, but I handed over to you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, tax, I got you. Tax, taxes and Roth. Yeah. <laughs> Death and taxes, baby. Exactly. Yeah, so, you know, first of all, Tony, I just, I love, I can hear the excitement in your voice. I know you're as pumped about this as I am. And it's not about, 
making money. It's about um, voting with your dollars for an alternative to the system. Everyone knows that our current system is corrupt and everyone knows that their tax dollars are being wasted and it's starting to piss people off for different reasons. And uh, so, you know, I think the excitement is more due to that is to we might have some better options, you know, distributed autonomous organizations and things like things of that nature. So uh, I share your excitement. It it pumps me up. Um, As far as taxes, you know, this is a hotly debated subject right now. Um, uh, Quite a few of my friends are um, public accountants and work for the the big four. And it's, it's definitely water cooler conversation over there. Mm -hmm. There's a couple levels to it. Um, I would say right now, they're trying to figure out how to classify these things because they're relatively new. I mean, is it a security? Is it an asset? Is it a share of a company? You know, is it sort of more similar to a bond? Um, they're not really sure. So it sounds like the uh, on the top level, the prevailing wisdom for this year is that they're going to be treated similar to securities, which means, you know, if you sell within a year, you're paying short-term capital gains tax. I think that's at 15% now, but I'm, I could be wrong on that. Yep. And if you hold over a year, you're paying long-term capital gains tax. Again, that's only on the gains. So it's only if it goes up. Yep. Um, and, uh, but then on a more real level. Um, you know, I've spoken with a couple people in the tax community about this and the IRS is really backed up. COVID did a number on that whole system and uh, they can only go back about four years on your taxes um, in terms of, uh, well, there are special circumstances, but in general, um, that's sort of the, uh, what's the word for that? Sort of the, similar to a statute of limitations, but anyway, yeah. so um, so they're, they're overwhelmed right now. They're about a year and a half to two years behind. They've been trying to hire like crazy, but they've lost a lot of people. And so I'm not particularly concerned with the uh, tax implications on that level. That being said, my advice is always just pay your taxes, pay what you owe, because you don't want something to come back 10 years from now and bite you. But if people bought $1,000 of Bitcoin and it went up a little bit, you know, you're probably going to be okay. Uh, if it's, if you're feeling overwhelmed, it's too complicated, you know, don't, don't miss getting involved in this because you're worried about the tax implications, all that can be, be figured out. But so anyway, um, yeah, so yeah, I'll be reporting my taxes just as, as short-term or long-term capital gains, you know, as, uh, as is required based on the, the trade. Um, and yeah, as far as swaps and things, that's sort of a gray area too. Um, but he, yeah, at, at that granular of a level, I think you'd probably need to talk to a tax professional because it really, it's up for interpretation by all the way down to like the individual IRS agent, because they just don't have language to mm-hmm. represent this new paradigm, you know? Right, and so, right. you know, if you swap two assets, but it never goes into a currency that you recognize, then like what really happened, you know? And so I, I don't know. It's, um, yeah, that gets, that gets complex and really ultimately will be debated out in front of a judge somewhere um, and we'll get a ruling on it. So I could, I could, I could see, I could see an industry popping up. It's going to blockchain is going to change accounting because there's going to be all these young accountants that come up who do trade in cryptocurrency and they're going to realize there's, there's going to be people like you and I, like I, I've done my taxes my whole life and I can, and I even own businesses and LLCs and all that, but I could see now with the cryptocurrency blockchain that I may need to have somebody do them for me because it's like, I think it's going to start getting a little bit more complicated and there's going to be, there's going to be accountants that really specialize in this because people are going to have a need of like, Hey, uh, you know, I've done all this activity 
uh, investing and I want to minimize my taxes. I want to pay my fair share, whatever that may be. But I know, you know, in accounting, there's ways of doing write-offs and there's ways of categorizing things that maybe would minimize your tax burden. And I'm sure people are going to be interested in that in the coming years. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. And as far as the, um, uh, the, uh, you mentioned that a lot of traditional investors are not able to participate in this market mm-hmm. yet. Um, yep. specifically, I'd like to mention uh, a lot of the quant funds aren't able to, and traditional yep. traders. Mm-hmm. And I think that has left a huge opportunity for the everyman. If you have a passing interest in, uh, you know, investment analysis and, um, in, and, you know, research, um, it's really sort of wide open. You're you're starting to see some more sophisticated players come in, but um, you know the learning curve is steep, and and traditional finance is really far behind uh, DeFi. So um, for us, that's that's all upside, and you know I think that's that's something to consider. Is you're not necessarily competing against professionals right out the gate, and especially right. um, you know a rising tide lifts all ships, and of course everyone's smart in a bull market, but. Yeah, you get the ideas that you're, you know, it's not, um, it's not all giant sharks swimming out there. Yeah, there's a lot of individuals. And so, yeah, it's not beyond anyone's capacity to understand and make reasonable investments. That's great. I mean, it's the one of the things that I've, I've gathered from listening to you to all the different crypto, there's, it's almost like a light thing to say somebody is a crypto expert, because it really isn't such a thing yet. Like, even the people that they gather for for a docu series where these people, you know, have, you know, uh, viewpoints about crypto that are super interesting, they've made a bunch of money, whatnot. um, Even they almost every single one of them acknowledge that it's, it's, everybody's at the beginning, like we're not that far in. So we're all learning about the dynamics, about what these things do. Like, you know, uh, you know, everybody's talking about NFTs. I have no idea what, why everybody's excited about NFTs. I mean, I get that they're digital art and all this, but I, you know, every time I see a meme where it says somebody bought something for, you know, uh, $300,000, I'm like, I have, I do not understand that. I don't really need to understand it right now. Um, but there's parts of it that I'm like, what in the heck is going on? Like, I, there, I, I don't know if that's a particular speculative act, aspect of cryptocurrency, these, these NFTs, these anime art things that are selling like crazy. But um, for me, I, I, I have an enough, a hard enough challenge just understanding the lay of the land in terms of the cryptos that you and I have been talking about and blockchain without including NFTs that seems to be all the buzz um, I don't know what your thoughts are. I, I just can't keep up with the NFT thing. So I'm just like, eh, just, just keep that off to the side. Cause it's kind of, um, it's, it's kind of a distraction and it doesn't, it's not adding anything to my understanding. <laughs> yeah. That's actually a perfect, perfect entry point for me, Tony. So, um, so to bring the conversation full circle back to what I was talking about with web 1.0 versus web 2.0 mm-hmm. and how it was just sort of a web page. And then we had a web page with a database. Now we're having decentralization right now. It's in its infancy. And when web pages came out, everyone kind of said, Oh, that's cool. That's cute. You know, I can put a little page up for me and my dog and people can come look yeah. at it. And that's it. <laughs> yeah. And that's that's where we're at right now. I mean, really, people go, okay, so we kind of have these new pages and people could maybe come see the news. Like, remember the old Yahoo yeah. news page or you can yeah, see yeah. the weather, you know? Yep. And uh, yeah. and we're going to get into things like um, things that you can interact with. So now we're starting to see things like 
email pop up or um, you know something like uh, Facebook or whatever. Um, so these are DApps, um, distributed applications, and mm. so that's sort of the the next layer. So right now, you're right. Um, as far as no one knowing what's coming, we see that there's tech, this technology and we have the tools, mm. but what people create out of that is only left up to the imagination. I mean, if people want to go down a wild ride, look yeah. into Uniswap and AMMs and how those work. It's uh, it's yeah, complete financial revolution, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. It's incredible product and so far ahead of its time. But so, yeah, so no one knows what's coming, but they can see, wow, we have these tools and you can build things that are way more complex. But what we're limited by right now, honestly, in some respects, is the human imagination. Mm-hmm. You know, we saw a web page and we saw a 2D representation of a piece of paper. I mean, at one point, the desktop computer, you know, was modeled after a desk and a desktop yeah. so people could understand it. So, yeah. you know, we it's in its infancy, but uh, don't underestimate the power and leverage of the internet, especially a decentralized internet where millions of people can contribute their unique um, ideas and talents. And so, yeah, that's that's kind of the, the direction we're headed. As, as far as NFTs, um, really in their infancy, uh, if you're new to the market, I would not be speculating in them at this yep. point, but yep. they are going to... Let's see, what's the easiest way to put it? Um, Again, it's like a web page because it could be so many different things, right? It, it could be Wikipedia, it could be Facebook, it could be the Domino's checkout page for pizza. And so it's tough to classify. But what I would say is that uh, it's a representation of value on the internet. And so the best way to think about it maybe, because right now most NFTs are just sort of, um, you know, uh, digital, like uh, small pictures, you know, uh, yep. PNGs and stuff or JPEGs. Yep. And so, uh, I guess the question I would ask you is like, what's the difference between a Timex watch and a Rolex? Mm. Really, the difference is status. Right. You know, it's the, the price they paid. And so as we move towards Web 3.0, which a lot of people feel will be us living in the digital world um, and having avatars of ourselves and things that um, move with us, um, how people represent themselves is going to be important. So right now, you know, people dress a certain way and drive a certain car to represent themselves. Well, right now, identity doesn't follow you on the internet. Um, Right now, we're limited. So if I log into my Gmail, it's a different photo than if I log into Facebook or if I Mm. log into, um, you know, WhatsApp or something not owned by Facebook, like Telegram. Um, But as that digital identity starts to follow you, one, honesty is going to be more important and how you represent yourself. And two, um, if you have the same identity everywhere, um, you're going to care about uh, you know, the clothes you're wearing or the car you're driving. But those things being represented digitally, you know, maybe it's a digital version of a Rolex. It's some obscure piece of art that's on your profile that costs $500,000. And so mm. that's the first layer of it, but really NFTs are going to represent values. They could represent an hour of your time in the future. You know, I buy an hour of Tony's time now for 500 bucks. And all of a sudden when this podcast is absolutely massive and you're the next Joe Rogan, that thing is worth Mm $500,000. People would pay a lot of money to sit down with Elon Musk for an hour, you know? So, so it's going to be able to represent all types of value across the blockchain. And, um, you know, I could give a hundred examples, but it almost would be more confusing I think yeah, just, yeah. You know. why 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 is all the NFTs why are they all the cartoonish pictures that are selling? I don't understand. There's no it's not like all of a sudden there's an image of some 
abstract painting that somebody actually did where you're like, whoa, that's a really cool, like everything's cartoonish and anime. And I don't understand why all of the first wave of NFTs that are selling for a lot of money seem to be these kind of gaming uh, cartoon characters. I don't, with different hair or whatever. I'm yeah. that, that part, I don't understand why that's the first one out of the gate. Do you? Um, yeah, I think, you know, there's, um, there's a documentary called Everything's a Copy. And basically, um, a couple of the early NFT sets had a lot of success issuing 10,000 mm. similar pictures that had different colors or different aspects to them. And so mm -hmm. because those had a lot of uh, success, a lot of people are trying to copy that and, uh, and do, you know, a... Um, a very similar but slightly different version. Um, yep. You can see the same thing with like, let's say fast food, you know, McDonald's, Dairy Queen, Burger King, uh, Wendy's, whatever. They're all like kind of the same, but a little mm -hmm. bit different because yep. people found what works. And so NFTs are going to change a lot over time. They'll come to represent music. They'll represent art. They'll represent time, tickets, mm -hmm. access, mm -hmm. communities. Okay, you know. I see, I see. Yeah, right. So it's just because it's in its nascency and someone had some success with that, that that's kind of the first iteration. But really, people are figuring this thing out and they're figuring it out in real time. I mean, it just started, you know, I would, I would argue two years ago, maybe at the most. And so, you know, we're, we're on day one, it's, it's early days for sure. And, and so these things will evolve, uh, to represent many different aspects of your life. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Well, I'm looking forward to what's coming. I I'm super excited by all the changes. Um, I could see a time in the not so distant future where I'll be, you know, I, I coach men, I do, I have a consulting and workshops and I could see giving people the option to pay me in cryptocurrency would be a uh, really attractive, uh, uh way oh, yeah. to, to exchange goods and services. I I'm really looking forward to easily being able to set that up for my business. And, uh, and Aaron, thanks so much for coming on base camp for me and God, it was a great conversation conversation. Uh, I look forward to chatting with you again as this unfolds. This is going to be a moving target, but I feel like you've really got a great handle on it. I really appreciate you coming in and sharing your insights and your wisdom. How, uh, anything else you'd like to tell the listeners if they had any questions about anything? I know you said you're, you're, you may be starting up a YouTube channel around blockchain and crypto, which I think would be fantastic. Uh, yeah. You know, Thanks for having me. First of all, this was really fun. I get to talk about this stuff all day and I, I think it's awesome. I, I would say for people listening, don't feel like you've missed out. It's really early. Don't feel like you're missing out. You could wait two years and still be early. Um, so you can start learning about it, but there's no sense of panic. You don't need to run out and buy something immediately. Just put it on your radar and start to consider that the future might not look like the past. Um, that, that would be my general recommendation because um, I think this is going to be a paradigm shift, but it'll happen slower than most people want it to. Uh, but the outcome seems pretty certain, in my opinion. Um, yeah, as far as, you know, I don't know about um, a whole YouTube channel, but I was thinking about making an instructional series and I just wasn't sure if people would be interested. So um, if you do have any interest, um, you can email me. Um, my email is uh, the one I use for stuff like this is just an old one that I have. It's Cobb, so C-O-B-B -B, at the cobra lounge.com that's the chain of hookah lounges i used to run i still use that email nice. um so yeah if you're interested in something like that let me know i'm not gonna be you know sending out spam or trying to market anything to you or whatever but i'm just curious what people are are interested in and what they would like to know more about and um yeah i'll either write you back or include it in one of the videos so yeah thanks a ton for having me on tony this is awesome i've listened to quite a few episodes and i uh, love the show and i'm really happy you're putting it out there thank you aaron really appreciate you coming on and uh, let's do it again Thank you.
I hope you enjoyed our conversation with Aaron as much as I did. Cryptocurrency and blockchain technology will continue to be subtopics here on the show as we continue to explore this theme from time to time, as it's really fascinating to me, as well as relevant to our shared future, I believe. So rolling up our sleeves to better understand this seems like a fairly intelligent thing to do right now, and I intend to have Aaron and some other guests on in the coming months to help us better understand this landscape that we currently find ourselves just at the edge of. If you find Basecamp for Men a useful resource for your life, please consider becoming a monthly donor. Each dollar donated helps support our efforts as we continue to bring you the content we feel is most relevant for you and your life. Thank you, listeners. That's our show for today. Thank you for listening. Men, good luck in all your endeavors and good luck on your hero's journey. This is Tony Rezac, and you're listening to Base Camp for Men.